0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing today? It is so, so good to see all of you in the house this morning, or thanks To those of you who are watching with us online today, we're so glad that you are a part of today's worship and celebration. Uh, If you um, are tuning in with us today or you're here in person, you are in for a wonderful treat because a very, very special friend of mine is here to bring the word. Uh, We talk a lot about um, the people that are in your, your circle and the people that, um, that you surround yourself with, that you bounce things off of, that are lifting you up in prayer, that you're leaning into during tough times, and uh, Pastor Jason Starrett is certainly one of those people for me. Um, he has helped to shape who I am over the course of uh, the past 15 or so years, and uh, we had the opportunity. Um, back at, at the beginning of our relationship to do some children's ministry together in various capacities, and we've spent time on the phone and um, over over lunch and dinner and Zoom calls and everywhere in between over the course of the past 15 years, and um, he's always one of those people that when I have a decision to make or um, I'm seeking clarity from the Lord that I always call and I always talk to him because I know that he is in tune Uh, with the voice of the Lord, and he follows after the leading of the Holy Spirit um, in his life and in his ministry. He um, is the associate pastor at the Chapel Community Church in Trinity, Florida, and uh, his wife, Michelle, and their kids, Nolan, Declan, and Brielle, are just an incredible family, and I know that you are going to be like, you're just going to have your socks blessed off this morning, if that's even possible, and if you're not wearing socks, Go get some and put them on so that he can bless them off. It's going to be awesome. So would you guys give a nice, warm Christ Walk Church welcome to Pastor Jason Sterrett.
1: Good morning, Christ Walk. How are we feeling this morning? Man, I'm excited to be here. And uh, there is a reason that I'm here that we can't skip over, okay? I'm here not just because Pastor Blake and Sarah love me and I love them desperately, although that's a good enough reason. Uh, It's pastor appreciation today, everybody. And uh, I have this unique perspective of uh, knowing you, but you have no clue who I am. Uh, I have prayed over you. I have talked about your church and how God is doing incredible things in and through you. And so... Uh, Is it okay if we just treat each other like family today? Is that all right? All right, good. Perfect. One of the things that is really important to me, anytime we have the opportunity to honor our pastors, I come from, like Pastor Blake said, the chapel in Trinity, and my pastor, Pastor Mark Quattrochi, is just such an influential figure in my life. I love him. He is a godly man. At every chance I get to honor him, I want to. I'm only here because of his leadership and his discipleship in my life. And so, uh, I always want to give honor where honor is due, and for the last four years, Pastor Blake and Sarah have been pouring into this community, and uh, they know that they can't do it without you. They know that this, this community can't change and become to look more like Jesus without everybody coming together to do their piece and to do their part and to do what they're wired and gifted to do to move this community forward towards the kingdom of God, amen? amen. And so we have an opportunity today to be a blessing to them, and I hope that this word that God has put in my heart is something that's going to encourage and challenge you but before we get to it, I'd like to actually ask them to come up here real quick, Pastor Blake and um, Sarah, and I uh, and I want to pray over them. Will you help me to pray over them? If you feel comfortable, uh, just go ahead and stretch out a hand towards them. And, and I just want to speak a blessing over them and pray over them. So if you wouldn't mind, just pray with me over this incredible couple that God has blessed your church with. Father, I thank you so much for the Snap family, Lord. I thank you for Blake and for Sarah, Lord. I thank you for Luke and for Avery. Lord, I know... That you, Father, have called them together as a family, not just one individual man, but a family to come together to honor you, Lord, to seek your face. And to move the kingdom forward with the vision that you're putting in their hearts for Christ's walk. And so, Father, as a church, we surround them right now with prayer, Lord. We surround them with protection, Father. We pray that you would put your warring angels around them to guard them on every side. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to fill them with vision, Lord God, and ideas and creativity and how to reach the lost and how to disciple believers and how to move each and every person into their next step of relationship with you. Father, I pray that you would refresh them. Lord, that you would bring such a a passion to their hearts, a healing to their hearts. Father, the enemy would have no opportunity to bring any type of distraction or destruction at them or their children. Father, we put a hedge of protection around them right now and the blood of Jesus around them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, God, that you have called them and placed them here. And I thank you, Lord, for every person that's sitting in these chairs and every person that's watching online, that you have called them to do this together. This is not the work of one man. This is the work of a church. Many hearts coming together to move your kingdom forward. So I pray, Lord, that there would be a spirit of unity in this church. We thank you for the spirit of praise and worship that's already been here today. I thank you, Lord God, that your truth and your word, Father, the Bible is honored in this pulpit. We thank you, God, and we speak blessing over them. Use them in a mighty way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Come on, can we celebrate our pastor this morning? thank you guys. I know you know this, but you're blessed. You have a pastor that loves you. You have a pastor that calls me and says, help me. Help me to know how to pray. Help me to know what to pray. Help me to know what to look for so that I can love these people that God's put in my life. So I just want you to know he's the real deal. He does care about you. He does love you immensely. And uh, we talk about you a lot with great fondness and joy. And so I'm excited to be here. You love God's word this morning. You guys ready? All right, we're gonna lean in. We're gonna lean into one of my favorite stories of the Bible. And it's probably one that you've heard plenty of times in your life. Um, I've heard it every which way. So from flannel graph, to overhead projector with the like the screens that you ride on from PowerPoint, McGee and Me, if anybody's got an old McGee and Me fan, there we go, right there, I've seen it every which way you can see it, but in this story, I'm always amazed how relevant God's word is to today, amen, it's always fresh and relevant, living and active for where we are today, even though it was written thousands of years ago, it applies to you and I today, and today I want to talk to you about the story of Peter and Jesus walking on the water. And there's so many great things and miraculous things that we can learn about what happens with Peter and Jesus on the water. But there are just some things that I've never seen before, and I'm excited to share them with you today. Let's read God's word. Matthew 14, starting in verse 28, says this. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, where we are in the story of Jesus' life is Jesus and the disciples have just fed the 5,000 with loaves and fishes, okay? Jesus has this great ministry moment. The disciples work together to feed all these people, and Jesus sends them away out onto the lake to go fishing, and he goes away to pray. And in the fourth watch of the night, a storm comes upon this this body of water, and it's, it's just tearing them apart. And Jesus sees this from where he's at, and he decides to take a little stroll. And he steps out onto the water, and Jesus walks on water towards the disciples. And when the disciples are in the boat and they see Jesus, they are losing their ever-loving minds, okay? They think it's a ghost. They're freaking out. They're panicking until all of a sudden they say, oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. And then Peter gets this bright idea to say, hey, Jesus, you're doing something that's never been done before. Can I do it too? I love Peter. Man, he is reckless, and it's amazing. He says, let me come out to you on the water. And so he says, come. And so can we go back just one slide? I want to see this. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And it goes on to say this. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. What did he do? He reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. A miraculous encounter takes place in this, in this little, like, 12, 13 people out on the lake in the middle of nowhere. Terrifying situation and circumstance. And so, um, can I ask you a stupid question? Is that all right if I ask a stupid question? Um, how do you see the wind? See, I love my pastor, and he teaches me to ask questions about God's word. It says in, in the word of God that Peter saw the wind. How in the heck do you do that? Well, as a matter of fact, I feel like this particular church knows really well how that happens, right? Because of where you're positioned on this island with all the wind we've got this morning. You know how you can see the wind because you can see the wind in the what? In the water, in the waves. And a wave is very, something very interesting. And I, I got to tell you, I'm from the, uh, the west coast of Florida. Waves are not the same over there, people that's like mickey mouse little kid stuff you come over here and you got to be like ready to go like it's a life and death situation i remember being shocked taking my kids we went to cape canaveral on the beach and there's like the shuttle launch pads and we're in the water and we're playing and i'm getting like i'm not a small man and i'm getting manhandled like a rag doll just thrown around like trying to keep my kids above water trying to save their lives i was a hero that day by the way so that's pretty cool (laughs) But I had never had that sensation. Like, I live in a place where the waves are just kind of like, they're just, they're just, they're not waves. Okay, so I get over here, and there's something interesting about a wave that, that caught me. A wave is anything that pushes you outside of your control. Because I tried to stand up, and I couldn't. It just knocked me straight over, right? It brought me out of my safety. It brought me out of my comfort. And this story has been used throughout the ages to talk about what is the storm going on in your life. No different today. We're going to talk about the storm in your life, but let's talk about why a wave is so interesting. It pushes you out of control, pushes you out of safety, and pushes you out of comfort. Is there anything in your life today that you would say is pushing you out of your control, pushing you out of your safety, or pushing you out of your comfort? If you're honest with me, I believe you'd say that there's at least one thing that's doing that. Some kind of a storm where you can see the wind because the waves are just knocking you around. It might be your spouse. It might be your children, it might be your finances, it might be your neighbors or your relatives, it could be your coworkers. it could be your boss, but there's something that's outside of your control that's manhandling you. And so we find ourselves today in the same place that Peter was, seeing the wind, being afraid of what was going to happen, being tossed back and forth by something he could not control. And here's where we find ourselves in the story. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. See, what I find so interesting about this story, Jesus speaks, or Peter speaks to Jesus three times. Once in the boat before he walks into the water. The second time as he's stepping out onto the water. And then the third time when he gets back into the boat, he says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come out there. And he says, All right, come. So he steps out. And then he says, Lord, save me, because he's falling into the water. But at the end, when they get back into the boat and the storm is calmed, and he's back with the disciples and they begin to worship him, he says something very different. He says, truly, you are the son of God. Not just Lord, not just a figure of importance, but God of the universe. So through this circumstance that we read in Matthew chapter 14, Peter's perspective of Jesus changes wildly. From Lord, Lord, to truly, you are the Son of God. And I think this is really important because how we see Jesus dictates what we can receive from him. How you view Jesus in your life will dictate what you're allowed to receive from him. Because if Jesus is just a good man, then all he can ever be to you is a good example. If Jesus just has this sage wisdom and he was just a really wise person, then all you can really receive from him is good advice. But if you'll see him as God, if you'll see him as Savior, then you and I will be able to receive from him as God and Savior so that we have everything that we need to move his kingdom forward in the way that he's called and created us to do. Amen? Amen. So, what is your view of Jesus today? Is he friend or is he Savior? Is he just a talker or is he a teacher? Is he someone that just suggests good ideas? or is he your master? Because Peter's perspective changed and how we see Jesus dictates what we can receive from him. And I'm about to show you one of the most difficult scriptures in all of the Bible and it's one that you've heard before. But this is truly about being a believer and follower of Jesus who's pursuing maturity and power. And it's right here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. This right here may be the most difficult scripture you will ever read. The most difficult and hard, gut-wrenching thing that your human eyes will ever see is right here. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Which means in every thought, I'm going to ask Jesus what He thinks. In every word, I'm going to ask Jesus what He would say. In every situation and opportunity to take action, I'm going to look to God's Word and see what Jesus would do. In all of my ways, thoughts, words, actions, decisions... I'm going to acknowledge him. What this scripture talks about is total dependence. I'm not going to do a thing unless I see it in God's word. How I do everything is going to be molded and shaped by God's word. Do you see it? This is total dependence. But the beauty of total dependence is that now it becomes God's responsibility to place us where we belong. So many of us get worried about what's God's perfect will? How do I find God's perfect will? How do I know God's perfect will? God's perfect will being revealed in your, not, in your life is not about you getting this massive download from the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden you've got all these details. No, it's about getting up every day, every morning, getting in his word, acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will make straight your paths. He will show you where to go. You will end up in his perfect will as you are in his perfect word total dependence allows us to be who god created us to be and where god created us to be and how we see god how we see jesus will dictate what we can receive from him so if it's all right with you i I like to do this i like to prove a couple things in scripture can i prove two things to you today in scripture is that all right say yeah pastor jason let me show you this this is in john chapter 21 verse 7 check this out it's going to blow your mind you ready That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. This is a totally separate story. After Jesus resurrects, he's cooking fish up on the beach, and they see him from afar, and they're like, Oh, my gosh, it's our risen Savior. Oh, my goodness. And Peter jumps into the sea and swims to shore. So, uh, newsflash, Peter could swim. (laughs) Bet you didn't see that, did you? Peter could swim. I know that might sound silly or simple or stupid or like a three-year-old could get it, but just that's sometimes how God speaks to me, like a three-year-old, because he has to. Peter could swim. We know this because he was a fisherman, and it would be really stupid to be a fisherman and not be able to swim, right? That's unwise. We also have scriptural proof. He jumped into the sea. He was able to swim. Not only was he able to swim, he was able to swim from the boat to the shore, which means he had ability, he had skill, he had talent, and he had experience that he could rely on. When you look at your own life, is there some ability, some track record of experience where maybe you like to do things in your own strength? Because, you know, I can handle it. You've got some level of experience or gifting or talent that you like to to rely on or lean on when things get tough. Peter had the same thing and that's why he was able to, s- to swim. Uh, the next thing I'd like to show you is in Luke chapter 8, verse 24. This is what it says. You're going to blow your mind. Ready? As they sailed, he fell asleep. This is another time that the disciples were on the water with Jesus. Jesus is sleeping in the bow of the boat, okay? And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in danger. And they went and woke Jesus up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm newsflash. Jesus could calm storms. Peter could swim, and Jesus could calm storms. Are we all together so far? Cool. We find ourselves in Matthew 14. Why didn't he? Why didn't he stop the storm? The storm is raging, and Peter, his beloved child, is drowning. I guess one of his top three disciples. He's watching this guy die, and he doesn't stop the storm. Why? We have to learn as believers and followers to ask why when we read the Bible. We have to look deeper. We have to look further. We know that he could calm storms. We know that Peter could swim. So, why didn't Jesus just stop the storm so Peter could swim and get into the boat? Think about it. Why doesn't Jesus stop my storm? Because he loves me. And he sees that I'm drowning because he sees all things. And he sees that I'm struggling in my marriage. Or he sees that I'm struggling with an addiction or with my children or at work or with my neighbors or with politics or with social media. He sees that I'm in this complete windstorm where I'm getting tossed back and forth by things outside of my control. And I know that he loves me because his word is true and it promises that. Why doesn't he stop my storm? There's a reason for it. Jesus does three things. That I want you to take notes on if you're taking notes. Jesus does three things. And it's not just the fact that he does these three things. Because you've already read it. We've read it together. You know what he does. But it's the order in which he does them. That's completely changed my perspective on this story. He does things in an order. Do you believe God's word is perfect? Every word that's there should be there. Every word that's not shouldn't be there. And everything is in the order that it should be. Do we agree? Then there is purpose in this story beyond just walking on the water Peter's overwhelmed and drowning And Jesus doesn't stop the storm The first thing that Jesus does for Peter is Jesus saves Peter He doesn't bring relief, he brings rescue He doesn't just stop what's going on around him He rescues him out of what's going around on, around him Do you see the difference here? Because he pulls up on Peter. He takes his hand and pulls him up out of the water, but doesn't stop the storm. Jesus rescues instead of relieves. There's a reason for it. It says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Where have you and I in our lives said, Lord, save me? When the finances are tight. When the tension with your spouse is at a breaking point. Lord, you got to do something here. You got, this is going bad. I can't do this. Think about a time in your life, maybe in the last month, in the last week, maybe this morning, where you've cried out and said, Lord, save me. And he reaches out his hand, and Jesus saves him. You know, we would rather Jesus change anything else in the storm before he even looks at us. We would much rather, as human beings who have talent and ability and experience, ask him to just stop the chaos over there so that we can swim in our own strength. But that completely goes away from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that says, In all your ways, acknowledge me. Not trust me to stop all of the chaos around you so that you can be self sufficient in your own strength. It doesn't say that. It says, In all your ways, totally dependent, look to me, look to my word, follow my word, do what I would do. Don't trust in your own strength, your own wisdom. Acknowledge me in all your ways. We would much rather that God would just shut our spouse up because we can do it then. If that over there will just stop, I'll be fine. But in that scenario, Jesus just stays our friend. He's the guy that brings relief. But Jesus isn't just our friend, he's our Savior. He brings rescue. And this is one of the things that, that Peter gets to see. He gets to see Jesus become his Savior not just his friend, not just his buddy that he's walked around with and seen miracles and he's a good man, he's a wise man. No, he went from friend to savior because Jesus didn't stop the storm. He chose to rescue instead of relieve. See, what he did was he allowed the waves to stop, to to continue. Why? Because if the waves had stopped, Peter in his experience and his talent could have swum to the boat swam to the shore, he would have been fine in his own strength. But that's not what's best for you and I as believers and followers. Total dependence. In all your ways, acknowledge me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's what we're called to do. Jesus leaves the storm in place so that his experience and his strength and his wisdom and his best idea would become worthless. I'm a strong feller. I got into the Atlantic Ocean and thought otherwise. And if the waves had stopped, I would have been fine. But I got tossed like a rag doll. And so all of my strength, all of my weight or buoyancy, (laughs) completely made worthless so that I needed something else. I needed something else to pull me up and to pull me out. God isn't just going to change your circumstance so that you can do it on your own strength. He's going to show you his power at another level. He's going to show you his love in another way that you've not seen it before so that you can see him as savior not just buddy buddy god allowed the storm to stay so that all of peter's strength and wisdom would become worthless so that peter's view of jesus could become priceless and more complete he could see him as savior because it's only when we see him save us that we can see him as savior I want you to think about this. When God doesn't do what God could do, it's because it's best for you. Think about that. We know he can stop a storm. We know he can change a heart. We know he can change a spouse or a child that's gone away from the Lord or making poor decisions. We know that he can change a neighbor, change a government, change a president, change a senator, change a country. We know he can do it. But when God doesn't do what he's perfectly capable of doing, it's because it's gooder, or better for you and I. Did I just say gooder? I said, gooder. I must really feel like you guys are family because I'm feeling a little comfortable right now. It's so much your gooder for you. Listen. Just trust me. But sometimes I believe that the storm will stay in my life, in your life, to give us the opportunity to see Jesus in a way that we've never seen before. When Lazarus died, his sisters like, were like, Where were you? Why didn't you come? And Jesus said, it was good that I didn't come. It was good that your your brother whom you loved, who I loved, died. Because now you're going to be able to see God in a brand new way. Sometimes your storm will stay so that you can see him as Savior. So the first thing Jesus does is he saves Peter. The second thing that he does is Jesus speaks to Peter. He says this, Jesus immediately reached out to his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus is getting on Peter's case. He's kind of busting them up a little bit, like, what's the matter with you? Don't you know who I am? You have little faith. Why did you doubt? The storm has not stopped. Jesus has taken a little time out with Peter, and there's a hurricane going on. I've got three kids, 11, 7, and a four-year-old daughter, two boys and a girl. It's chaos in my house, all right? If it's not lightsaber battles, it's WWE wrestling, like it's, it's a full-on crazy party in my house. But when I want to get their attention, I will turn all of the video games off. I'll turn the TV off. I'll turn off all the noise, and I'll grab their face, and I'll just say, hey, listen, let's talk. Jesus took a different approach. Everything was so terrifying that Peter was hanging on his every word. interesting that Peter was terrified, but Jesus had his full attention. Has that ever happened with you? Things come up in your life, and it just throws you for a loop, and all of a sudden, we're praying a whole lot more, and we're leaning in a whole lot more because, Jesus, I need you. Sometimes that happens when we get terrified, but God has our full attention, and I love what Jesus does here because sometimes uh, when you go through something that's really difficult in your marriage or with your children— Maybe it's anxiety or depression. Maybe it's some kind of emotional unforgiveness, anger, fear. When you talk to your buddies, they're all like, yeah, Sarah's a jerk. Tina, she needs to get her act together. Jimmy, hate him. Like, when you talk with your buddies, you'll normally end up talking about everybody else. But when Jesus has Peter in this place of vulnerability, I'm like... Peter is nestled up with Jesus, hanging on to Jesus in the middle of the storm, kind of like, you know, like, hey, we've been trying to reach you regarding your car's auto insurance. (laughs) Like, they're close. They're tight. Peter is terrified, and he's clinging on to Jesus, but it's because he's so close that he can hear. He can hear every word that Jesus says. And I love what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't say, listen, man, you shouldn't get on the boat. That was stupid to begin with. Or, hey, if you would just steered left or right, you would have been fine. No, Jesus doesn't talk about the storm. He doesn't talk about the conditions that caused the storm. He didn't talk about the steps to avoid the storm. Jesus didn't talk to Peter about the storm. Jesus talked to Peter about Peter. He says, you don't have a storm problem, Peter. You have a doubt problem. You have a faith problem. Listen, church, I know you hate Susie. I know you hate Susie. But Jesus would say, hey, maybe you just need too much of Susie's attention. Maybe you need too much of Susie's approval. I'm doing something here. And it's not about that over there. It's about this right here. You might want to buy something and not have enough money and get totally ticked off at your boss that he doesn't pay. You are worth $10,000 more, and he is not paying me. You don't have a finance issue. You don't have a lack issue. You don't have a boss issue. You have a stewardship issue. Because you are not caring for what God gave you the way he wants you to. Are you honoring God with your first? Are you tithing? Are you honoring Sabbath? Are you doing the things in his word that he's commanded us to do? See, Jesus isn't going to buddy-buddy up with you and say, Hey, yeah, you know, they did this and they did that and they said that. You're totally justified to be in the middle of this storm. And I love you and it's not your fault. No! (laughs) Jesus has Peter in the middle of a hurricane and holds him and say, Hey, let's talk about you right now. You ever felt like God has pulled you out of immediate danger, but he didn't stop the whole storm? Like, things are still going crazy? Like, I may have been rescued for a minute, but there's still danger out there? That's because he's wanting to show you something about you, not about everything else. And it's because Jesus allowed the storm to stay that Peter saw him as Savior. And because he was so terrified and so close and so clinging to Jesus, Jesus allowed the storm to stay this instance. So he could speak to Peter, so Peter could see Jesus as his teacher. We're not going to look at everything out over there. Jesus says, I'm not going to change that over there. I'm going to save you. We're not going to talk about that over there. I'm going to talk to you about you so that you can grow and be healthy and be everything that I've created you to be. Amen? God will leave the storm in place until you get into a position to listen. The storm causes us to be close enough to hear Jesus. And Peter got to see Jesus as his teacher. Jesus saves Peter. Jesus speaks to Peter. And the very last thing that he does is Jesus stops the storm around Peter. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. I didn't get to tell you this in the beginning, but uh, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in a ministry family. I've been in church my whole life, which is why I know about the transparencies and the PowerPoint and the flannel graph. Because that was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I know, Listen, in Bible trivia, you will all lose. Like, let's go. <laughs> but let's go. It's going to be great. I know it. I know the word. Problem is, I knew my head knew the word. It was swirling around in my head, but it wasn't living in my heart. And I went through this season because I grew up in ministry. My dad was a worship pastor. I'm a musician. Like, I loved your worship. Your worship was amazing today. Very, very blessed to have these people and these leaders. But that's my wheelhouse. But the problem with growing up in ministry sometimes is I learned to get my value with whether or not y'all were happy with me. Did I preach good enough? Okay, I guess I'm good enough. Did I sing good enough? Okay, I guess I'm good enough. Are they celebrating me? Am I being promoted in my job? Am I being given more opportunity and more influence and more leadership? Those were the things that made me feel like I was good or bad. It's just the way I grew up. It's how my value system was started. And I love my church. And I love my pastor. And I trust my pastor so much, and he follows God so closely that I was able to experience a storm at my current church within the safety of being under his covering. Because all of a sudden I stopped getting promoted as much. People stopped celebrating me, my job changed and I had to do other types of things that weren't platform things. And immediately, I'm sure this is not your issue, oh, but it's mine. I got my worth and value from something other than Jesus. I'm sure that's not you at all. But Jesus caused a storm. Jesus didn't cause a storm. Jesus allowed the storm to stay. Until I would see him as savior, see him as teacher, and eventually see him as master because the storm stopped. And I was like a person in the waves being tossed. I was tossed like a rag doll because of my emotions. I didn't know what to get my value from. Until God removed every other thing, I couldn't find strength in my friends. I was isolated from them. I couldn't find strength in my job because I didn't have the same positions, wasn't doing the same thing. I couldn't find my value or my worth in any of my influence because it was very different. And God allowed the chaos and the waves to push me around until the only thing I had left was, well, okay, I guess I'll just go talk to Jesus about it. And in those isolated moments where it was just him and I in the storm. I was locked onto his voice and I was hearing him show me in his word his truth and his healing and his power so that now on the other side of the storm like I hope you enjoyed today but I'm good without it without your approval I know that I'm bringing the word that God told me to bring and that's good enough I hope you're blessed by it I hope you're changed by it but it won't be by me it'd be by his word I'm a different me than I was then But I just want you to know, you may be going through a storm where you're outside of your control, outside of your safety, outside of your comfort. He's doing it for your benefit. He may not have caused the storm, but he is allowing the storm to stay so that it can refine you and shape you into the person that you're called to be. To bring healing to the things in your heart that are broken. To bring a a healing and a realignment of your mind and your values and how you think about him. Because when Jesus becomes your source and your savior and your teacher and your master, nothing else matters. So I want to tell you this. Our storm is shaping how we see Jesus. And I want you to think about whatever your storm is. Maybe you're not getting along with somebody in your family. Maybe you have different political opinions. Imagine that. You've got different views on what's happening in our world. You may have different views about the Bible. And it's causing this Discomfort, frustration. Be careful, church. Be careful that you're not asking God to change everything else and not you. Be careful that you're not talking about everyone else and not listening to what God would say about you. This storm will shape how we see Jesus. See, when he becomes savior, when he becomes teacher, when he becomes master, then we become better parents. We become better spouses. We become better leaders. We become more equipped to be able to move God's kingdom forward in this community where we're placed. But it's only when our perspective of him changes. It's only when we have the total dependence talked about in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where we're looking to him for everything, our value, our worth, our direction, our wisdom. We're not trying to do it in our own strength. God may leave you in your storm just so that you're not able to hear the voices of the people around you, because you value that voice more than you value his voice. Be careful. Because I'll tell you what the result of staying in the process of your storm, as the storm shapes you, what happens is Jesus, once you see him as Savior, once you see him as teacher, then he becomes your master. And there's nothing that our master can't do, amen? There's no heart he can't change. There's no situation he can't adjust. There's nothing he can't do. Because when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Side note, bunny trail. You guys just started life groups, right? Right? A couple weeks ago. It's interesting that the storm was going crazy until they stepped into the boat and got into a group. (laughs) It's interesting that when it was just Peter and Jesus by themselves, all alone, everything was going crazy. And sometimes there might be a season where God has you making you feel like you're alone so that you'll lean in hear what he has to say but it wasn't until they stepped into the boat got in a group got around other believers and followers not only did the storm stop but they worshiped him and they as a group saw jesus differently because what had happened with peter your story is going to change somebody else's life but you won't be able to share it unless you get in a group unless you're building relationships with other people side note get in a group all right cool let me leave you with this because i think it's it's really really important Every day we get to choose our perspective because every day there will be things that will happen to us that make us feel like we're in a storm, make us feel like we're drowning, make us feel like we're going under. And we have a choice of our perspective, church. And here are your choices. He's either letting the storm kill you or he's letting the storm shape you. And how you see that is how you'll live it. Because if he's shaping you, he's a God who loves you because he wants what's best for you. If he's killing you, he's a vengeful God who's out to get you. Read your Bible and you'll know which he is. He is a loving God that is out for your good, for his kingdom and your health. We're about to worship in just a minute. I'm going to pray in just a minute. But it's my greatest hope today that you will have seen God's word in Matthew chapter 14. And maybe realize why things haven't stopped. Because maybe you've been in a storm for years. Maybe you've been feeling like you've been drowning a lot lately. I just want to encourage you that when God doesn't do what he could do, it has a purpose for you. For you to see him as savior. For you to see him as teacher. And for you to see him as master. Because when you do that, you will not be able to help yourself. You will have to worship. Because you will have seen the goodness of God and the power of God and the strength of God and the wisdom of God and the might of God displayed in your life. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for Christwalk Walk Church. I thank you for everybody that's here today. I thank you for everybody that's watching online. I thank you that it's your word that molds and shapes us. I thank you that worship is the result of when we see you the way that you want us to see you. And so, Father, right now we want to choose to see the storm as a gift. That you're not against us, but you're for us and you're using all things, working to good for the good of those who love you are called according to your purpose. So we trust you, we love you, we honor you in this place. Jesus, there's no one like you. I pray, God, that you would encourage us when we're in the middle of the storm to not get bitter about what caused the storm, to not get bitter about who caused the storm. But Lord, that we would lean into our relationship with you and you would show us who you are Show us, Father, your truth and your healing power in every situation, in every circumstance, that we would not cling, Lord God, to finding and placing and putting blame and guilt on people, that we would allow you to know our hearts, to search us and to know us, and to mold us and shape us as you see fit. Father, we declare today in this place that you are Savior, that you are Teacher, that you are Master. Father, we thank you that as we're faithful to you in the middle of the storm, as we trust you, as we choose to see it, as you shaping us, Father God, that as we worship you and people see your goodness in our lives, that it will change the people who are watching. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us to be at this place, to be at this church, to be with this pastor, to be under this vision. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are equipping us to be faithful and to be bold and to take your truth and your gospel to the world. So, Father, I pray that you would do a healing work in our hearts, that you would allow us to see things with new eyes, with fresh eyes, that you would be glorified in every circumstance and every outcome. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you, Christ walk. Thank you for letting me be here today. Let's worship.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.